Hello and welcome to the Dyslexia Mom Boss Podcast, the show that helps you not only feel empowered and knowledgeable, but confident and a boss mom in the dyslexia journey. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren. Welcome back to the Dysgraphia series. So last week's episode focused on some basic signs and symptoms to really consider and understand in relation to your child's learning difference or disability. And I delved into the four types of dysgraphia that were researched and were taken from Attitude magazine. And it was written by a medical doctor and reviewed by medical peers. So if you have not listened to that, definitely pause this episode and go back to that one because I think that will give you a lot of insight. This one, this episode today is delving into the signs and symptoms in relation to written expression. So this is more catered to that linguistic dysgraphia. So what I'm going to do in this episode is I am going to break this down K through two, grades three through five, middle school, high school, and adulthood. Now, the reason being is because this will reflect and impact at various developmental stages. And also too, I think it's really important for people to understand who they are. And I know that in my journey of meeting several people along this journey, the last 12 years, there've been some adults, some parents that are like, man, I think that my child gets this from me. So I hope that you are learning and educating yourself and keeping an open mind about you or family members. Sometimes it's like, oh, wow, my mom really struggled with that or my grandmother or my brother or whomever, because a lot of these things truly are hereditary. So I always want to preface this by saying I do my research and these signs and symptoms are taken from understood.org. So those of you who are not familiar with understood.org, I love their resources. It's extremely chunked and it's really appropriate for the average person who may not understand what's going on. And so they have articles, they have videos, they have medical professionals and service providers and advocates who really vet this stuff and who are really on the front lines putting out this content. So I trust it. And I think it's a great place for parents to start if you are really in this journey and you're like, I don't really know where to look. Let me go to understood.org and you can type in dyslexia or dysgraphia or whatever. So these are taken from understood.org. So let's start with grades K through two. And I think it's really important for parents to tune in. So obviously, if you have a middle schooler, maybe you're not interested in hearing K through two, or maybe you are to say okay, wow, I want to see, did my child struggle with this? And I just really didn't know what it was to kind of figure out how to close that gap. Now, full disclosure, I will say, if that's you, go back and listen to releasing the mom guilt affirmations and the episode I did with Natalie Felix talking about her mom guilt, because this is not to trigger you to say, I can't believe I didn't do this when they were in second grade, or I can't believe I didn't do this when they were in first grade. This is purely information. And I think from my experience being a mother, wife, human, I'll just put it that way, being a human being, 
it's counterproductive to go backwards. You know, it's counterproductive to focus on what we didn't do. I think what's helpful is to focus on what we know and what we can do. And when we are focusing in our logic brain and removing the emotion, we're able to be more successful. So I just wanted to kind of put in that little public service announcement that this is not meaning to make you more upset if you have an older child and you just didn't know. We don't know what we don't know. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're here to learn. And if you are an avid listener, you've been learning. So let's dive in to the signs and symptoms for that written expression, linguistic dysgraphia for grades K through two. So if your child or student is having trouble labeling pictures with a few words, so perhaps maybe they have a cat and they are really struggling to write that down or get that out, that's a sign. Often write sentences that are hard to understand. So if we're thinking K through two, this isn't necessarily comprehension. This is literally like, what on earth does this say? And it could be the words are squished together. It could be the spacing is off and the spelling is just so bad. You can't even figure out what it is they're trying to say. Like you can't decode it. That's a sign. Sometimes getting confused about the differences between stories, opinions, and informational writing. So that's obviously closer to the second grade level where they are learning persuasive texts. They're learning about narratives and, you know, probably cause and effect and opinions and all of that. So if they're really getting confused between the differences, that can be a sign of that written expression. And then the last one is, has trouble writing one or two paragraphs about a personal experience. I've seen this very often with dysgraphic students where it's easier for them to just talk about it. And a lot of that really has to do with that planning. We know as adults that when you pick up a book on the shelf at Barnes & Noble, that is not the first draft the author wrote. We know that there is a whole writing process, but students that struggle with that written expression don't understand that. So While you might want them to write one paragraph, and depending on the teacher, maybe one paragraph is three to four sentences. So if you're asking a child that's struggling with this written expression, linguistic dysgraphia, to write one or two paragraphs in, I don't know, let's say a 40-minute block, and they only have three or four words down, that's a big sign. All right, so that's K through two. Let's move on to grades three through five. So Your student or child still only writes simple sentences. So this is what I was saying about the last thing with K through two. So instead of using a variety of sentences to express their ideas, it's just, I like ice cream. Ice cream is cold. Ice cream is good in the summer. Those are basic sentences. So how do we get our students to really expand on that? And obviously talking about the instructions, a completely different episode, but that is definitely a sign. Drafts without any planning and does little revising. Now, obviously, between grades three and five, the writing process should be explicitly discussed for students to know that the first thing you put down is not what you're turning in. You need to brainstorm. You need to get some ideas. You need to understand what is this paragraph going to focus on? What's an opening sentence? What are transition words? What's a closing sentence? When I used to teach elementary school, I'd say, how can we use $10 words? Let's stay away from good or bad or happy or sad. Like, let's expand our vocabulary. So if we're seeing a true lack in that, that's definitely a sign and symptom. And then the last one for grades three and five is has trouble with organization and content for different forms of writing. So for example, 
they struggle with understanding maybe what a narrative is or what a persuasive text is. You know, that really, again, delves into instruction, how much scaffolding, how much chunking, how much pre-teaching have we done for that particular student or child to understand the difference between the two. So those are some signs and symptoms for grades three through five. So let's move on to middle school. And as you can see, and you know, this all makes sense logically, but as kids get older, the work gets more challenging. And by the time they get to middle school, if they haven't had the right intervention, they can compensate, but then it gets to a point where their compensation skills aren't good enough. And so we'll talk about that when they get to high school, but I've seen this in eighth grade where I've looked at text and I'm like, how do we get this child to expand their thoughts? And it's not even just you have five words in the sentence, give me 10. It's more of that higher level thinking of how do we synthesize? How do we put this into your own words? This goes back to that whole expressive receptive language. How are you receiving this information and then expressing it in a way that makes sense to you? Hey, it's your favorite podcast host, Dr. Lauren. Have I told you how much I appreciate you as a listener? Well, if I haven't, I want to tell you just how much I do today. You're the reason I come back every week with top-notch content with guests to help you navigate this DQ journey. But I got to tell you, organizing and getting these episodes up and running doesn't come cheap. I have a fantastic podcast team that takes care of me and you to ensure that episodes are high quality and show notes are detailed and riddled with goodies for you to use and apply for your next steps in this journey. But can I ask you a favor? We'd love to have your support to keep the podcast up and running. You can donate as little or as much as you'd like to support the podcast. All you need to do is go to the link in the show notes or visit our website at thinkdyslexia.me and click support the podcast and it will take you exactly where you need to be. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and of course, share this podcast with others who are on the same journey as you. So let's touch on middle school signs and symptoms struggles to plan before writing and then uses the plan. So perhaps you give your students, and I've seen this time and time again, well, today is a day where we just brainstorm ideas. And more than often, those linguistic dysgraphic kids or dyslexic kids are staring up at the sky like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. And let's just say me as a special educator, I would pull them aside and really do some mind mapping, brainstorming, you know, what is something we feel comfortable to focus on that we can expand on. And then let's say the next day, because the timeline is always very fast in public school, that now we have to start doing our first draft. Well, if they are struggling to plan and then you give them the resources to plan and the next step is to use the plan, if they don't know how to execute that, that's definitely a sign as well. Focuses mostly on minor errors and corrections of wording when revising. So that really tells us maybe they're struggling. And I've seen this a lot with dyslexic kids that also have dysgraphia. They are so bogged down with the mechanics of spelling the word correctly that they get so lost in the sauce of what their idea was. So translate that to dyslexia. 
if a child is struggling to decode those words, there is no way in hell they're going to comprehend what they're reading. So if you have a child that is supposed to be writing a five paragraph essay in middle school, and they're too focused on those details of, oh, I have capital letters here and I'm not supposed to have a capital letter here. Oh, I spell that word wrong. Oh gosh, this word has like three different meanings and I don't know which there to use. They're losing their thought process and they're really getting caught up with those little minute details. And what typically happens is a teacher will walk around and be like, why do you only have one sentence? Like what's going on here? We've been doing this for three days. This is all you have. And of course, that's where that disconnect of understanding what's happening to that child is not really translated to that teacher. All right, another sign and symptom is has a hard time writing more complex narratives about people's experiences. So that's that perspective taking, that's that understanding and synthesizing that information to really know how to put that into a narrative. Not just, I'm gonna read this text and then I'm gonna answer these questions and then I'm just gonna say, you know, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but like this person did this. Well, that's a very basic elementary sentence, you know, how do we really make that into a more complex answer? Another sign and symptom is using the same words over and over again. So as I said that before, when I was working with my elementary school students, and I did see this a lot with my middle school students, they really needed that resource of going to thesaurus.com. So I would always teach my middle schoolers, if you're using good 15 times in one paragraph, First of all, you don't need good that many times. Secondly, you can use it once and then let's find another word for good and let's figure out how we can beef up this sentence to sound more advanced. And so at that point, you want to offer, and I know this is an accommodation, you want to offer an adjective word list because that does get really mundane and it doesn't really help them become stronger writers if you're just like, you use this word too much. You have to give them the resources to know where to look and how to beef up their writing. The last one from middle school is struggles to write argumentative papers that back up claims to consider their opinions. Now, finding claims, that is higher level thinking. So again, if our middle schoolers are struggling with those minor errors, those spelling errors, really not knowing how to brainstorm and jump to the next step, they're going to struggle to go back to the text to find information that supports their claim. And first of all, you need to explain to them what a claim and a thesis is. I mean, it's a whole process. So if, if they're struggling with that, that's definitely something where you have to go back and explicitly teach and really hone in on those students' needs. So you can see how this can get really tricky by the time they get to high school. So with high school, some of those signs and symptoms are tries to write longer, more complex sentences that end up being confusing. So, of course, we know that our secondary students, they really want to keep up with their peers. It's all about what their peers think and what it looks like. So it's easier to kind of just keep writing because everyone else is writing, but this doesn't really make sense. So that's definitely a sign. Comes up with few ideas when asked to plan, but doesn't make and follow an organized plan. So that's that multi-step direction of I have these ideas, but how do I really organize them to then execute that plan? High school students might have trouble finding weaknesses in writing and revising the content and how it's organized. So I remember back in the day, teachers would, and I don't even know, I mean, I I did this, but I would instruct explicitly what I wanted my kids to do when they were do peer editing. 
So I don't know if like peer editing was a thing for teachers who just didn't really want to teach that day (laughs) or if they thought that maybe the kids would teach each other. I mean, I think there's a balance. You know, you have to really do a lot of front end work to teach your students to know how to peer edit and to really know how to give positive feedback. But by the time kids get to high school, they should quote, and I'm using air quotes, know how to peer edit. But let's be honest here. I mean, writing is a very abstract, kind of open-ended thing. So you can grade a math test and the answer is right or wrong. But writing, it's subjective. So if someone is reading someone's paper, they might think, okay, this is, you know, it's got some meat, but maybe we need to beef up the vocabulary or maybe we need to add a little bit more to these paragraphs. I want more details. I want more claims versus someone else might say, I mean, this paper is awful. Like it doesn't flow. Like it's too short. I wanted more. I mean, so that, that really is difficult. And I think when kids get to high school, that's when they're really turned off by writing if they clearly have some linguistic dysgraphia. So another sign and symptom to look at is when using sources in writing. So they have a hard time explaining the idea from the source and integrating the ideas with multiple sources. So at this point, we are using MLA or APA. And you know, forget pulling a quote and actually knowing how to cite it. Nowadays, you can just put that in an automated thing and it'll do it for you versus back in the day, you had to actually go to the book and figure out what the format looked like and how to make sure it was appropriately cited. I remember having to do that for my dissertation. It's a pain in the ass. But when you are having to find sources, you can't just pull random quotes. You have to be able to, depending on the assignment, understand what the teacher is wanting you to find, how that connects, why you're using that quote, how does it synthesize with everything that you've read? Does it make sense? Again, that's higher level thinking. And then the last sign and symptom for high school students is writes papers that are missing the facts and details. So again, really understanding where this is coming from in those earlier stages, K through two, and how if this is not intervened, this can truly impact a student by the time they get to their secondary schooling. And we know that students with these language-based learning differences, the dropout rate's pretty high. And what I always say is reading and writing are civil rights. And we need to teach our kids how to be effective readers and writers to function in society, to be able to get a job, to be able to read a job application, to be able to respond to emails and not just give one or two word responses. So those are some signs and symptoms. So let's transition to the last developmental stage, which is adulthood. So think about those college kids and beyond. So signs and symptoms are makes basic grammar mistakes like missing verbs or incorrect noun verb agreement prefers to give spoken directions instead of written ones, uses the same words over and over again, misuses words or uses words with the wrong meaning, and writes rambling sentences and repeats ideas. So as you can tell, these are things that, especially the grammar mistakes, I will say that grammar is not explicitly taught the way it should be. I think that most kids, if not all kids, would benefit from traditional diagramming because most kids, especially in middle school, you can ask them what a noun is in isolation and they'll say person, place, thing, or idea. But if you give them a sentence, a very basic sentence, like the dog sits and I'll say, what is the noun? 
kids with this profile, they can't tell you. And I think that is really a testament to we are doing a disservice by not explicitly teaching kids grammar. And so by the time they are in middle school and high school, clearly the sentence the dog sits is a very basic sentence. But when they have sentences that have the noun and verb and adverb and, you know, might have positive in it, a direct object, I mean, how are they knowing how to decipher what the basic bare bones is of that sentence? So if that's not intervene, then as we creep into adulthood, so whether it's you are in college and beyond, how are we communicating? How effective is our writing? How effective is our oral communication? So those are signs and symptoms to really think about in regards to written expression. So again, these were taken from understood.org. I hope you found this to be very impactful. And the next series that we will work on, work on, (laughs) putting my teacher hat on, the next series that we will be discussing are the signs and symptoms of messy handwriting. So I'll see you there.